Uh, we are in part two this week in our series called The Core. And uh, what we are wanting to do in the next uh, two weeks, and, and this is just as a small part, part of our confession of faith as a conference, but what we want to do is just in the next two weeks still um, go through some of the core beliefs that we, we have as a conference. And if you don't have a copy of these, uh, you can go on our website, lemmc.com, and they are all there. You can, you can look them up and read them for yourself. Now, I think sometimes when we, when we talk about our confession of faith or when we talk about core beliefs, uh, what happens sometimes, I think there, we use words or we, we talk about words that, that I think are very important for us to understand. And this morning, we want to talk about salvation, and last week, Pastor Peter talked about sin, and, and next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and the week after that, we want to talk about Scripture, Revelation, and how we know and how God still communicates and speaks to us today. And so, what we want to do is we want to talk about these words, but I think sometimes we need to make sure that we understand or that we have a right understanding about what these words mean. For example, there is a lot of words in life that if you don't get them quite right, um, it, can, it can really lead you uh, to a, uh, some severe or big misunderstandings. I don't know if any of you have ever bought a car. And when you buy a car, what the sales guy is going to want to do is he's going to try to sell you extra warranty. Now, if you're like me, you think you understand what warranty means. Warranty means that it's covered. That if something goes wrong, well, it's under warranty, meaning that it should be paid for by them. After all, it's, it's under warranty. But as you would find out very quickly talking to a salesperson, warranty to them doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as it does to you. For them, there are some stipulations. How did you use the vehicle? Was this or this done? Or, or, oh, sorry, you don't have warranty for that. You have warranty for everything else, but not that one thing. And you're sitting there going, excuse me, I thought I bought extra warranty. How come now suddenly I'm told I don't have warranty for that? And so it's very important for us to understand these words, and that's just one silly example. And so in the area of salvation... I think we need to wrestle with that meaning. What do we mean? What is it that we're talking about when we talk about salvation? And I trust that after today, that not only will you have a clear understanding of what salvation is and what Jesus has done for you, my prayer has been, and maybe my, my biggest prayer has been, is that if there is someone in the room today, you have not yet made this decision. And maybe it hasn't, you, maybe you haven't made a decision. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life over to Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to talk about all of this. Maybe you haven't done these things because you haven't understood or you, you're confused or maybe you don't trust or maybe you don't believe. I, I've been praying for you. I've been praying that this morning the Holy Spirit would somehow take these words and speak to your heart so that at the end of this, you may find yourself in that place where you're like, man, that's what I want. That's what I need. That's what's missing in my life. So let's start off by reading our confession of faith, our statement according to the EMMC conference confession of faith. It says this, we believe that salvation is a gift of God's grace 
receive through personal repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Believers have assurance, forgiveness of sin, salvation from sin, reconciliation with God, and eternal life as they live in faith and obedience. Now that is a loaded statement. You could take weeks and weeks to explain that, and I have 25 minutes. So I'm going to need you to to either take some notes. Um, You can ask for these later on if you want. I'd gladly share them with you. Um, Or you're going to need to get your Bibles out. You're going to need to get your phones out because we're going to dig in. Because with the word salvation, there are a number of other words that we need to understand. And we'll talk about them in a little bit. But along with the word salvation, there are certain words that unless you understand those words, you're still going to struggle somewhat to understand what is it that we mean by salvation. For example, you cannot really talk about salvation without talking about grace, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. You can't really talk about salvation without having an understanding of grace, an understanding of repentance, an understanding of of some of these other words. And so there's a number of words that we're going to dive into today. But the first word that we want to focus on is the word salvation. What do we mean when we talk about salvation? This is a fair question because I think some of you in this room you don't fully understand. I remember meeting with a guy who was a new Christian and he sat down with me and he's like, Ike, this is really going to show my ignorance here, but I'm I'm a new Christian and this person had only become a Christian a few days earlier and he's like, what in the world do you guys, when you keep throwing this word salvation, what is it exactly that you mean? Fair question. Fair question. And so let's, let's look at it. What is salvation? This is what it is. Salvation involves our deliverance from the power of Satan and sin. Very often, I think what we talk about salvation, we only talk about it in the area of sin. That salvation is, is Jesus forgiving our sin, and we're going to look at it. It actually means much, much more than that. Salvation is deliverance. Not only from our sin, but also from Satan. He no longer has a hold on us. Amen, said the crowd. All right, good, good, good. And you're you're all with me, right? I love how I got to beg for a reply. And then then I got some people are like, I want to yell, but then my wife gets mad at me and I can't. And so I understand. Some of you guys are like, I would have said something, but man, my ribs are still sore from last week. So we're good, we're good. But listen to me. If you take salvation to mean that, oh, your sins are forgiven, but you still feel like you are completely um, a victim and, and, and um, that Satan has complete rule over your life. No, salvation delivers you from the power of Satan. He once had a hold of humanity. And Jesus died and rose and his victory is sealed. Jesus is our victor. That is what salvation is. Salvation is deliverance from the power of Satan and sin. This was done through The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. Mankind was once in harmony with God, and you you may know the story, and if you don't know, here's, here's how it went. Mankind was in harmony with God in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and as a result of that, sin affected humanity. 
Okay, and we could get, we, man, we could, last week Pastor Peter did a great job, but we could spend so much time talking about when did sin start? Have you ever wrestled with that one? Because what we often do is we say, well, sin started when Adam and Eve sinned, but how do they even have a choice to sin? But anyway, well, I'll let you guys wrestle with that. But sin affected humanity, and now suddenly this perfect harmony with God was broken, and there was a divide. And as you read through the Bible, what you're going to see from Genesis all the way through, what you will see is God is constantly working at bringing his people back into a relationship with him. And so he sent his son Jesus, who paid for the penalty of our sin, so that through Jesus we have salvation. What is salvation? Deliverance from Satan and sin. This is the basic view, the most basic view of what salvation is. Now I want to look at what are some of the other words that are often or that are always associated with the word salvation. I'm sure you've heard this word, grace. When we talk about salvation, you, you cannot avoid the topic of grace. And again, this is a whole sermon on its own. Grace is a big, big topic. We would say that God offered salvation by grace to undeserving people who had no hope of ever earning their salvation. In other words, by grace we mean that God blessed people with the gift of salvation when they did not deserve it. Salvation is not something that you and I earned. We cannot earn it. There was nothing we could do. And people tried for thousands of years. They would sacrifice all kinds of animals. They would, they would do all kinds of things. They would go regularly to temples. They would, they would perform all these ceremonies in hopes of earning their salvation. But it was only when Jesus came and died on the cross, a gift of grace from God, his son Jesus, that we can now have full and complete salvation. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But it was something that God gave us. And this is why very often when we talk about grace, we talk about it as a form and we say it's, we often just describe grace as a gift because that's what it is. It was a gift that God gave us through his son Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 is probably one of the, the, the verses that we would use best for this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. God gave his son Jesus as an act of love and as an act of grace for us. Not something we earned, not something we deserved. That's the power of grace. Another word that you need to understand when it comes to salvation is the word justification. Justification is, is a big word, it's an important word, to be justified. What do we mean by that? Romans chapter 5 verse 18, it says this, Consequently, just as one trespass, and remember what that is, that was the sin of Adam and Eve, one act of sin, now, you may say, well, that's hardly fair, but we have all been in situations where we had to live at the result of someone's decision. Was it fair? Absolutely not. I love what Andy Stanley always says, and my kids don't like it when I use this against them. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. 
And so when my kids are like, that's not fair, I went, well, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Had God been fair with Adam and Eve, he would have wiped them out. But he wasn't fair. God decided to extend grace and love when it would have not been necessary to. So one act, one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. So as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, all people, you and I, we have all been affected. So also, continuing on, so also one righteous act, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, resulted in justification and life for all people. Let me try to explain justification for you. Justification is not, you know, let me, let me back up. We are not only forgiven and then left in our sinful condition. We are justified. When we trust in Jesus to save us, God changes our condition. Once we were guilty sinners deserving death, but now through Jesus our sins are canceled and we have a start to a new life. Maybe this would help you understand it better. Imagine someone commits a crime against you and they get caught. And then there's a trial, and then they are found guilty of the crime that they committed against you, and then the judge goes to sentence them. But right before the judge sentences them, you stand up and say, Your Honor, could I say something? And the, and the judge would say, Absolutely. And then you say to the individual, I just want you to know I forgive you. Here's what the judge would do. The judge would commend you for what you did. He would say, You know, that's so good of you to do that. But then he would continue on to sentence the person because here's what happened. Your forgiveness did not free them of what they were guilty of. They are still guilty even though you forgave them. This is the power of justification. That when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus rose victorious, he did not only forgive your sins, he justified you. He canceled your sin. Do you believe that? In Psalm 103, I believe verse 12, David says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our trespasses from us. So here's the thing. I think too many Christians live as though they've only been forgiven. And they still wander around life as of though they are still guilty. Jesus justified you. Jesus canceled your sin. Because he went and did much more than just forgive you. He canceled your sin because unless he canceled, we would still be guilty of our sin. And so justification is such an incredible thing because not only were we forgiven by Jesus, but to have our sin canceled. With justification, you are more than just forgiven. Your condition, your condition is changed to no longer guilty. Jesus didn't just forgive, he canceled. And 
I believe that that's something that you and I need to stand up in. That's something that you and I need to live in, knowing that Jesus has completely and totally canceled our sins, and that is only done through the gift of grace in salvation. Another word word that that is often um, used in the area of salvation, and it's an important word, it's a necessary word for us to understand, is the word repentance. Repentance is that decision to turn your heart, mind, and life away from self and to Jesus. Repentance is that decision to turn your heart and life away from self and then to turn it to Jesus. To repent means to make a fundamental change of behavior, a change of the heart. It involves leaving aside my sin and my own agenda and replacing them with a heart that is fully surrendered to Jesus. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Again, repent then and turn to God so that your sin may be wiped out. You catch that? Not just forgiven, not just handled for a temporary moment, so that your sin may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So one doesn't receive, one cannot receive salvation without repentance. You cannot be saved from your sin and then insist on continuing to live as a sinner. That's the power of repentance. That's the requirement. That's why repentance is necessary because you must Change your heart, your mind, in your life to move away from what I want to what Jesus wants. It has to move from me to full surrender to Jesus. We could say much more about each one of these, but time is ticking. Let me continue on. Another word that you will have heard is the word faith. The condition, the only condition for salvation is a personal conviction and trust in God for salvation that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith involves believing. Okay, hear me carefully here. Faith involves believing that the message of Jesus is true, resulting in you making a decision to fully surrender your life to Christ. Faith in Jesus is required of every person to receive salvation. Because if all you do is say the words, if all you do is come to the front during an altar call, if all you do, if all that has happened in you is that you were emotionally stirred and you feel guilty for a moment and you're like, oh man, I'm such a bad person and and so I should go to the front. I remember when I was 14 years old, 15 years old, I wanted nothing to do with the church, but I felt so guilty, and so I would come to church occasionally because I'm like, man, maybe this will somehow take away some of my guilt. So if, if your response to Jesus was simply like, I'm just gonna come to the front, and I'm gonna kneel, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna say some words, 
but you do not fully and truly believe that Jesus is the one who you need, you're just saying words. Because faith is required. How many times do you not see when Jesus was speaking to people and he would say, do you believe that I can heal you? And they would say, I believe. And then he would say, because of your faith, you are healed. I want you to wrestle with this because faith is such an important part. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a direct correlation between what you say and what you believe. They have to line up. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, your mouth isn't saying something you know you need to say. Your mouth is saying something that you truly believe in your heart to be true. So when you declare Jesus as Lord, it's coming from a heart that says, I believe this. I fully, by faith, have accepted and embraced that Jesus is my Lord. Now let's talk about that and those other other words. As you wrestle, or as you have wrestled with placing your faith in Jesus, here's a decision that you will need to make you will need to make a decision to allow Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're new to church, these are two words that you're going to hear sometimes thrown around. It's like, well, have you invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Again, it's important for us to understand what do we mean by that. Some of you have maybe even said this, I I invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, and maybe you, you don't really understand what you meant. What we mean by Lord and Savior, excuse me, is that since God gave us, since God saved us through his son Jesus, our complete loyalty and obedience must now go to him. So if Jesus is our Lord, what I mean by that is my loyalty now is his. I will be completely obedient to him. And so we want Jesus very often to only be our Savior, but we need him to be more than just our Savior. We need him to be our Lord because without him being our Lord, we would not live the way he wants us to live. But sometimes Jesus is preached only as a Lord, as a scary Lord who's just demanding, who's just, you know, oppressing. So this is, again, why it's beautiful to know that Jesus is both our Lord and our Savior. On the one hand, he says, yes, now that you have given your life to me, I require things of you. But at the same time, he is our Savior in the sense that he did something for us that he did not need to do. So Jesus as our Lord and Savior is, again, a beautiful combination that all of us need to accept and allow for him to do in our lives. Two more. Guys got energy for two more? All right, I'm convinced, all right. Here's a big one, here's a big one, and a very important one, sanctification. Have you heard that one before? Sanctification, all right, a few of you. Sanctification, I know more of you, but you're like, I'm not putting my hand up. It's too warm in here. This one is often easily confused with justification, but there's a big difference. Sanctification is the process process of being transformed to look more and more like Jesus. And clearly we're not talking here physically. 
that we would become holier, that we would mature so that we would glorify God in every area of our lives. Justification canceled the old. Sanctification brings in the new, or it is being made new. When I first became a Christian, one of the things that I had hoped would happen is that that some of the bad habits I had as a, non, as a non-Christian would vanish and disappear. And I was somewhat surprised that that didn't happen right away because I thought that when I gave my life to Jesus, that all my old habits would just vanish. And so I was a little shocked one day when I was in Bible college and I found out from some friends of mine that some of my old bad habits were still very much visible. And when you end up in a little Bible belt like Manitoba or southern Manitoba in a, in a little community college, uh, everybody kind of finds out pretty quickly. And so my friends sat me down one day and they said, Ike, you got to stop swearing. You know, using those words in theology class, that, it's just not wise, it's not good. And and you see, I used to have a really, really bad potty mouth. And so sanctification is this, when you surrender your life to Jesus, God begins to make you more and more and more like him. For some people, some habits vanish that day. But for some of us, there may be a lengthy process in God changing our hearts to be more and more like him. That is the act of sanctification, being made new. John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus prayed this for his disciples. He said, my prayer is not that you would take them out of this world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they may truly be sanctified. Every Christian, every Christian needs to allow God to work in them to make them more like him. And again, we could say so much more on that. And then the last one is this, assurance. You cannot talk about salvation without also understanding assurance of salvation. So here's the question you may have asked your, your life sometime, or here's a question that I know within the, the Mennonite culture, the, the uh, old, um, old colony Mennonite culture is very popular. Can I know that I'm saved? Or is this somehow left to chance? And the answer is absolutely you can know. A person who has surrendered to Christ can have full confidence in their salvation. Followers of Jesus based their assurance of salvation on an important biblical principle. And that is this, that God remains faithful to his people. Christians are assured that God's salvation is enduring. It does not end. God's love is all-powerful. God can overcome all obstacles and keep, and that God will keep his promises. If we do not have assurance of salvation, I would say that salvation does not have the power that we claim it has. If the the sin of humanity 
could not keep Jesus in the ground. But Jesus rose victorious. Why would we ever doubt the miracle of what he's done in our lives? So some of you that are wrestling with this and, and saying, man, I committed a sin yesterday and I wonder, am I a Christian still? Am I encouraging living in sin? Absolutely not. We need to repent. We need to always strive after and fully surrender to God. But we do know this from 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may have eternal life. So I invite the worship team to come up because I want you to now wrestle with, with a question. And the question is this, how do I become saved? How do I get saved? It's a big question. It's an important question. Is it, is it a one-time decision? Is it, is it a coming to the front? Is it saying certain words? What is it that makes you saved? Let me ask you this question. How do you decide to get married? Have you ever thought of that? It's a huge, loaded question because, you know, I, got, I decided to get married. How, how did you decide? That? How, because married isn't a thing that you get. You with me? No. Some of you are like, I am so confused. Think about it. I don't decide to get married as in this is my married and I'm going to get her. And I, it's, it's a thing. It's a topic that I claim. See, here's the thing with marriage. When I decide to get married, it is all about me and one other person. So when I say I, I want to get married, what that means is I want to find somebody to give my life to, to someone to share my life with, and that person wants the same thing. So that's marriage. Now, how do you decide to get saved? Because here is a danger. Here's a danger, that some of us only want salvation. We only want to get saved. And I would say to you today, when you want saved, what that is is you must join your life with, in full surrender to Jesus. In the same way that you cannot get married and pick up something and say, yeah, I got married, well, where's your wife? Oh, I don't have a wife, I just got married. In the same way, you cannot say, well, I got saved and then have nothing to do with Jesus. And I think too many people think that salvation is this thing they go and get and they do not consider the role of Jesus in it. Salvation is being delivered from our sin and from Satan. And how do you repent? By giving your life, your heart, in your mind, in full surrender to Jesus. So do you want to be saved this morning? Because if you want to be saved, what you're saying is, I want Jesus. And there's some of you in this room today, you know you want Jesus. You want Jesus today. 
And maybe some of you have been fighting just for this thing called salvation. You just, you just wanted saved. You just wanted married, but you didn't really want the surrendering too. And today maybe is your journey where you begin with saying, from here on, I now live surrendered to Jesus. Jesus.